Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action, a podcast where people share their stories about meaningful, planet-friendly work in their local communities. They share their paths of green action and the ways they have applied their own talents, interests, and all types of green projects, jobs, businesses, volunteering, and careers. Today on our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who has been using technology, science, and software design to improve efficiency in agriculture and produce solutions to mitigate and adapt to climate change. I'm speaking with Austin Arrington, the founder of Planter Group, an environmental consultancy in New York City. Austin Arrington is a software developer, scientist, and entrepreneur working on systems to help humans and nature connect and thrive. Austin brings sustainable technologies and systems to market from green roofs and urban farms to soil sensors, automation, and machine learning. He is a published researcher and holds an MS in environmental science from the State University of New York and College of Environmental Science and Forestry, an MA in bioethics from NYU, and a BA in English from Penn State University. His research explores the intersection of ecology, technology, and ethics. One of the exciting projects he's been developing, coordinating, and launching is a cell phone application that monitors carbon in the soil. This device will help to facilitate farmers and ranchers being compensated who are improving the environment through their agricultural practices. Welcome to the show, Austin. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action using science and technology to develop new solutions. So so what planted the seeds for you to want to take some kind of green action initially? Oh, man, uh, that's such a good question. Um, well, I had a, a pretty interesting, sto- well, a long story in terms of how I got to where I am. You know, I studied English. I used to be into journalism and writing. I had a mentor at Penn State, a guy I met by the name of Richard Doyle, who's a rhetorician, but also, you know, teaches about information uh, science and technology, as well as plant medicine. And, um, you know, he taught me about psychedelics and different plants. He actually, I helped edit a book called Darwin's Pharmacy by Richard Doyle, which is really interesting book. Um, So I started becoming interested in plants, uh, but didn't think I was going to be working there. I ended up moving out west to Oregon. I worked at a a mental hospital for a few years and thought I really want to do something to um, that involves people and communities. Honestly, even then, I didn't really have a plan to work in nature. Uh, it wasn't until I moved back east, and um, actually a friend of mine, Nikolai, who's co-founder of Plant Group, got me a job working for um, a really awesome company called Alive Structures. It's a woman-owned business based in Brooklyn that does green roofing and gardens and green roofs, and that was the first time I was up on rooftops um, planting plants and learning about green infrastructure. And so I wanted to learn more about the science. So the same friend actually told me about SUNY, SUNY's program, uh, College of Environmental Science and Forestry, which is a state school. So, you know, it was affordable. And um, I joined their yeah graduate program. So that's up in Syracuse. Met another, ment- well, several mentors. There's a lot of uh, really awesome thinkers there, including Robin Kimmerer. She does a lot of work on indigenous knowledge, but she's, she's also an amazing scientist. And then Stu Demont, who was my uh, advisor, who has been studying 
traditional agroforestry in Chiapas, Mexico, uh, for, like since the 90s. So I had the chance to travel along with other students to Chiapas and learn about Mayan agroforestry systems. So super inspiring. And actually another scientist there, James Gibbs, who's a conservation biologist, he suggested that we, he had an idea for um, basically, could we use crowdsourced images like from Flickr, predict things about the environment. He does a lot of research on the Galapagos Islands doing different conservation projects. And it happens that a lot of people, when they go and travel and go to these places uh, like Galapagos, they're taking photos. And they're, those photos are geotags and timestamped. So he kind of convinced me to do to investigate whether or not we could use the geotag photos from Galapagos to estimate uh, phenology or like when plants were present and you know when a landscape would be green and filled with plants or um, when those plants might not be there because it's off, se off season. Um, so instead of using like NDVI, normalized difference uh, vegetation index or like satellite imagery to predict, uh, to predict plants, we were looking at using a color or hue analysis of the crowdsourced imagery. So we did that research and I actually got to present that at a data science conference uh, sponsored by NSF. That was out in Seattle, Washington. And so that was my first exposure to like using technology to explore nature. And then I started up plant group in 2016 um, with a few other friends, including Bill Weiner, who's another co-founder who, who was basically using like raspberry Pi and different automation technologies for irrigation for like smart irrigation. And, um, you know, just kind of connected that with the other world with green roofs and, and green systems. We started that business and, you know, since then uh, we've kind of evolved into doing a, doing a lot of different types of environmental consulting. So, we still work on design build projects. We're doing like an urban farm in Newark um, this season with Jonathan Rose Companies, so a sustainable developer that does a lot on like affordable and mixed income housing. But we're also doing things like developing software uh, for the carbon markets with this uh, new project with the Ecosystem Services Market Consortium. So a pretty wide range of projects that we're working on, but a lot of them involve using technology um, to connect humans uh, in nature. Excellent. So the group that you are in together with in the plant group or these people that you had done research with and been working with in the past? Um, yeah, like it's funny. So Bill um, and I have known each other since probably first or second grade. We were in Cub Scouts together. Um, and Nikolai, I uh, met through um, Penn State, and we actually were both studying under that person I mentioned before, Richard Doyle. Um, so yeah, I guess we were studying together in, in a kind of informal way, but um, yeah, uh, we weren't publishing research, but we were definitely turning our minds on to the same things around the same time. And um, yeah, that evolved into a business. Excellent. So as someone who's working with creating sustainable agricultural solutions, how do you stay in touch with your local agricultural community? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so for some things like, you know, the products for the ecosystem services market, like those are existing farmer uh, networks that are coming to use the product and they, you know, they're from places I'm not from. So they might be from like Iowa and, you know, they have farming experience I don't have. So a lot of it has been about just trying to listen and, and learn from those people. At the same time, if we're doing something like something more local, like if it's like a community garden or urban farm, you know, I think it's all about just like actually being connected to the project. So we don't usually just like, oh, make a technology and sell it. We're usually like on the ground and trying to understand how to implement it and get the feedback from the grower to see what's what's most useful because you know those people who are like actually working with the plants uh day in I think have so much information useful information yeah I, I would imagine because then sometimes it it works the other way where somebody develops something and then they try to find an application but it sounds like what you're doing just makes a lot more sense and you're really able to adapt things much more quickly and evolve them so what are maybe some of the technologies that you've developed that has been helping some of your local farms? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that we're pretty proud of is the work we did around smart irrigation. So we basically developed an irrigation system that uses feedback from soil moisture sensor to kind of have more efficient irrigation schedules. Our data has shown like 25% you know, irrigation water savings for users. It also, we also have a solar pump. So like enabling people who have rainwater harvesting systems who want to irrigate their plants with that. We think we offer a really easy out of the box solution for doing that, which, which I'm proud of. And then on the cutting edge, we're working on a compost heating system. Uh, we have a few clients we're prototyping this for right now, but basically the idea is instead of using like electric heaters or for example, to heat a greenhouse, we want to use the heat generated from composting um, to heat our to heat some of our growing spaces we're working with. So that's uh, a techno technology we're working on right now that also involves pumps, basically pumping some kind of fluid like a glycol water mixture through a loop, which is inside a compost pile, which is generating heat from all this microbial activity, and then um, you know, passing that into either heat exchanger or just different pipes within within a greenhouse setup. Yeah, so we're really we love ideas like that of of like how can we uh, how can we generate value from things that maybe society would label as waste at a certain point. Excellent. So the soil carbon analysis application, like. You were to try to explain that in layman's terms. How how does it work a little bit? Yeah, sure. So basically, people um, are have become pretty interested in how well soil is storing carbon. But something, if you want to even take a step back, if instead of talking about soil carbon, something that like a gardener or farmer might feel better talking about is soil organic matter, right? Right. Yeah. So. But quantifying both of those things, soil organic matter and soil organic carbon, and by the way, there's a relationship, right, between them, um, is really important for, like, understanding how healthy our soils and how well we're managing our soils. So 
I knew from studying at ESF that there were different color metric approaches to analyzing or predicting soil health. I mean, basically like literally, literally there's people looking at like a color palette and like, you know, predicting texture, predicting different things based on like the look of the soil and also feel and different things, but like let's talk color metric, the, the color of the soil. So I wanted to kind of explore that idea and see, um, while I know that like right now, a sort of low cost and efficient way to estimate soil organic matter and soil and soil organic carbon stocks across a field is not really exists. So I was wondering, can we use a similar approach as color metric, but sort of use computer vision and machine learning to do that instead of the human eye. So the idea is basically as you're um, want to sample a point, you could just extract that soil using an auger or whatever method you use. And um, before you bag it and take it to the lab, just snap a photo of it and text that photo to a number that we have and which is going to trigger a machine learning algorithm to kind of analyze the hue of that image, as well as these other environmental covariates we get from the location of that image to estimate soil organic matter and soil organic carbon. So basically it's, 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 it's very experimental at this point. Uh, my goal is to get more farmers involved and interested in participating to see if we can essentially create a huge spectroscopic calibration database of different images of soils taken around the world. But yeah, right now it's a, a passion project. It's not actually being used in, in a big way anywhere, but it's something I'm interested in and I continue to develop alongside the other things we work on. Nice. Nice. It would, it would seem like um, having people take a photo of soil that they're going to have analyzed in a lab <clears throat> at the same time and send it to you would be a great way to kind of cross-check your technology as it evolves. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So what are maybe some of the challenges that you faced in some of your projects? Oh, uh, challenges? Well, you know, so many. Um, I guess depends on what type of project we're talking about, but I think something that might be interesting to your listeners is thinking about an urban farming project uh, or a community garden. What I find to be challenging is like figuring out what to build and who are you building it for? Because like there's a lot of different stakeholders involved in any sort of project. You know, there's like the people who live in the neighborhood, there's the people who have money, there's there's the other community members. So like getting to a point where you're not just uh, going in there and, and plopping things down, but you're trying to listen and understand what's going on in a place is I think really hard. If you're a company like us that's trying to work in different cities, understanding the history and the culture of the place is not a minor task. Yeah. So it's a challenge because of the small subset of people that maybe understand the challenges of urban farming and therefore kind of like the brilliance of different solutions. So so I can imagine like what you're saying that it, that you know trying to communicate the possibilities to to kind of help open minds communicate the possibilities, yeah. And it's also it's it's like um it's it's political it's like space is really a political thing and you can come in there very easily as an idealistic 
from an idealistic perspective and say, yeah, we need to have permaculture and we need all these things. But if you don't understand the history of a neighborhood or why certain things are a certain way or, you know, what, why certain foods are do better or, or wanted more, you know, just like actually understanding the place and not just trying to have like a, a one size fits all design, I think is the hardest part. Yeah. And the, and the funnest part. So you take time to kind of interact with people, maybe work a little bit on the urban farm, meet people, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there's like a whole thing to this. My artist friend was telling me about like called social practice, which, uh, but yeah, it's basically like you have to, you have to like, you have to be part of it. You know, you have to embed yourself in there. So like, so like, you know, if we're doing this project in Newark, like, and it's not just like, it's not just like a, a landscape lawn or something. It's, it's like, we're trying to make a space that people use. You need to build trust and you need to listen to what people actually want. And there's, well, there's a lot of different people. So figuring that out, figuring out what everybody's needs are and trying to find some kind of middle ground is uh, that, that's like, that takes a lot of work. Yeah. That, that's kind of a larger system design as opposed to maybe just a specific solution to one issue. So yeah, I would imagine that's complex, many layers. So what are maybe some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your work? Oh, enjoying the rewards, um, you know, just like um, building community and like building like relationships and lifelong friendships. We did a did a project in Harlem last year uh, at the Sugar Babies Daycare. Did a worked on a community garden composting system as well as like fruit trees. We planted pawpaw, we planted blackberry, blueberry, raspberry, currant with the children. And like we also did music, and we're going to be doing a music event series there this summer in Harlem. And that's what, like, you know, the woman I met, Janae Shabazz, who who runs Sugar Babies Daycare, like, she's, we've become just, like, close friends, and we collaborate, and we, you know, um, just love thinking about how we can give back to Harlem and, and create meaningful experiences. So, yeah, I would say the best thing is just the relationships we built. So we're excited for that this summer. That's going to be, like, combination of green space, live music, and, like, wellness. So it'd be bi-weekly, you know, we'll have yoga and meditation as well as, as, as live music in Harlem. Excellent. So if your ideas and your experience and your wisdom were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action to give to others, what advice would you give to someone who might be considering something like this in their local area? Start small. You know, I, I would just say start small and no place is too small because you never know what's something that you do, if you do it with intention, what it can grow into. So even if you're just like getting your family to compost, that's a big deal. So what maybe resources have been, um, would you like to recommend maybe a book or website or film that's been particularly helpful or informative to you? Oh my gosh, so many resources. One Straw Revolution, it's a great book. I'm reading a book right now, Overstory. Have you read that? I've heard about that one. It's been, I've been hearing it pop up a lot lately. I haven't, yeah. It's pretty good. It's a good book. A lot about trees. 
you know, as far as, I mean, the internet is amazing. You can learn anything you want on there. What other resources? Um, Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Database. Want to learn about wildflowers in your in your state? Research uh, research the different plants that are native to your area. Get to know those plants. So, do you have any things that you would like to um, share with listeners? Maybe things that are coming up. It might be digitally or locally. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, like I mentioned, um, you know, starting in May, we're going to be doing a green event series in Harlem, NYC. Uh, so please check us out on Instagram, uh, plant underscore group, uh, our plant group, nyc.com, and stay tuned for that. Um, I'm sure we'll also be streaming that, so you can still watch it online if you can't make it, make it to New York. And yeah, in general, just um, just reach out to us. You know, we're, we're mostly working in the East Coast, but we're starting to do projects on West Coast. Reach out to us if you have an idea for a project and want to just get some ideas, shoot some ideas. You can you can find our contact on the website and we look forward to hearing from you. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for the amazing work that you're doing and um, and really taking the time to share with us. Thank you for uh, having me, Jenny. Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local action that benefits the planet and people.